My name is Jared. I, I like to confuse people with the gospel. So, y'all ready? <laughs> uh, let's pray, though. Let's pray, man. Because I got so much that I'm kind of, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's about to happen. So, uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for being our Lord and our God. Mm. Thank you for this day. We thank you that. Uh, you serve us with the bread of life, and that in you we are complete. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to thank Maurice, because he was going to preach this Sunday, but I felt, man, I had this message, the resurrection of God. That's the title, the resurrection of God. Wow, kind of confounds the mind, huh? Never thought about it like that before, huh? Someone asked me, where did you get that title? I said, Jesus. Jesus gave it to me, because you can't think thoughts like that, can you? Oh, if God don't think up something like that, it ain't, you know, so, oh, the resurrection of God, man. Um, I want to get a, get into some scriptures, maybe, I don't know, we'll see how it goes, but 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Tim 3.16, um, it says, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of God. <laughs> Great is the mystery of God. God was manifested in the flesh. You know, we've heard it said that Jesus is Lord, but I say unto you, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. You know, we can't, and this may, this may be simple. This may be simple, but it, it, think about this, man. We have to have the unity of the faith in our hearts. We have to have the image of God united in our hearts. So that's the goal of this message. That's what I want to. The goal of this message is to unify the image of God in our hearts and in the earth. And the way this happens is by us seeing that God came and died our death away. God came himself, you know. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. It says, <clears throat> let's just read the verse. And without controversy. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, Paul. What? That's much, this is much, very controversial. You know what I'm saying? I understand. Um, yeah, okay, so who am I? Who am I? What get, what, what? Why would you listen to me? Who am I? Where, wh how do you, how did I learn the gospel? I learned the gospel in the darkness, you know, in prison. I got that state pen. I got that state pen degree, you know what I mean? So, but um, we, need, we need ministers that are preaching the truth because the body of Christ has been, they've been abused under the hands of ministers for far too long. And the people are just believing what the minister is saying. Because a lot of people, they don't want to take the time or just, you know, to get and dig into the scriptures and try to unfold them. But God is giving gifts unto men. And so I resolve one thing, though, to not know anything among you except for Christ crucified and God resurrected. That's it. That's it. So there's coming a time, man, where God 
is sanctifying his name in the earth. He, he has sanctified it, and he is sanctifying his name in the earth. And the way that happens is when you see that God was manifested in the flesh. God. Jesus is God. Jesus dying on the cross is God dying on the cross. You know what I mean? These perverted doctrines out here, these, these different atonement theories, talking about God had to forsake. God can't forsake himself. You see what I mean? God can't forsake himself. And in, in this simple logic, man, it shows you what is going on. Uh, yeah, the death in this world is what keeps people from seeing God. It, it, the death in this world darkens the minds of people. And so people, Greg talks about this all the time, people see, they see all this death and corruption in the world and they wonder, where is God? Where is God? Why isn't he doing anything? Well, God was manifested in the flesh. And he found himself being crucified on a cross, which proves to us that God is not the source of the corruption and the death in this world. Otherwise, how could he also have suffered at its hands? That's right. Oh, my goodness. Think about <laughs> I know it's very simple, very simple logic. But, um, yeah, God was manifested in the flesh without controversy, Paul is saying. And, and what that word means is among common assent of the apostles. This, that's what that word means. Among common assent of the apostles, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Right? Preached on in the world. Says, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Mm, that's right. So, um, man, let's do this right here. Let's do this right here. Um, yeah, so I have a passion, man, to uh, for the truth to go forward, man. Because, uh, man, times there, there's dark times in the world right now. And God is trying to do something. He's trying to bring forth a body that is united in the faith, in the way. You know, it says they were followers of the way. I don't think we understand what the way is. The way is the way of the cross. You see, even God came and he ended up on the cross. That's the way. The way. The, the, the cross is the law. <laughs> the cross is the judgment of God. Let's go right here. Mm. Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah. Man, Paul loved Isaiah. I think Paul quotes Isaiah more than anything else. But listen to this. Isaiah 2, 2, 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. We shall be and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth a law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What law went out of Zion? <laughs> 
the cross and the resurrection. That's the law that went out of Zion. He says, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. When you see that God was manifested in the flesh, that rebukes a lot of doctrines, because how can God forsake himself? Like there, we have a lot of uh, theories in the world today that are contradictory and they tear down the image of God. It's so important for the, for the image of God to be united in your heart. That God, okay, so there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is in Jesus, Jesus isn't the Father, the Father isn't the Son, but they are all, they are all God. There's not three gods, there's one God. There's one God. So <laughs> what he's saying, though, he's going to judge among the nations and he shall rebuke many people. Because, man, when you see the beauty in the face of God, you know, it, it, starts to, it starts to change things. It says, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into prune hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore he says O house of Jacob come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord let us walk in the light of the Lord 2nd Corinthians 3 2nd Corinthians 3 I want to bring something out man in 2nd Corinthians 3 at the end um, it's a famous verse I'm sure we've all heard this first but we all with unveiled face behold is in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image. But I want to I just want to ask you if you look at the context, what what are we what is the image we are beholding in that mirror? Paul goes on to say in chapter 4 just a few verses later, he says, "For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God." in the face of Jesus Christ. So the image we're beholding is God in the face of Jesus. That's the image we're beholding, you know? He has shown forth to show us and revealed to us that the, uh, the knowledge of the glory of God was revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. But um, yes, yes, yes. So, uh, Man, yeah, man. So it's all about the cross and the resurrection. It's all about the cross and the resurrection. Um, I want you. I want to. I want to show you something else real quick. In Ezekiel, I know this is a lot of scriptures, but man, starting to get into this. Start, start, man. I I remember in my life walking under a, a penalty substitution gospel, where you think that God had to punish. Um, Jesus in order to love you and I didn't realize the damage that did that did to my heart I didn't I was walking in it just innocently you know what I mean I mean I, I love God you know but I didn't realize that I had a different image of the father than I did of the son in my heart and what that did is it worked against me being able to trust in God you have to, the image of God has to be unified in order for you to trust him. You have to see that God could never be the one to punish sinners. God will come himself and take the punishment. That's what God did on the cross. He's saying, no, my people, I will be the lamb. 
I will be the lamp. That's what the scriptures say. God would provide himself as the lamp. He came. He took the punishment into himself, you know, and he tasted death for every man. Um, man, I like the caption you put on the, um, on the, on the video, Revelations 1.18, right? Revelations 1.18. Um, yeah, I really trying to go slow here because I know that this is a, just a simple explanation of the scriptures, but these things are so profound, man. They are so pr profound. Look, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Now, <laughs> in Hebrews 2, it says something very, uh, it says something very, um, it's hard, it's hard to, when you read it and you're like, wait a minute, you can't, you can't even think like that. He says, for as much then as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, likewise, God was manifested in the flesh, partook of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. <laughs> the devil had the power of death. Jesus is coming here and he's saying, I, look, 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 I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I now have the keys of hell and death. <laughs> I mean, dude, what a father that he would come. I mean, isn't that what a father does, right? He gives his life for his children, <laughs> right? That's what a father does. He came and he took back the keys uh, of hell and death from Satan. So, me looking at the gospel, man, what will really help you start to, to see this thing in just a, a, a greater light, a, just a more clear picture, is there's two kingdoms that the scriptures are talking about. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And, and when, when Adam fell, the kingdom of darkness came into the world. And he was, it, it rules over people with death and the wisdom of the serpent system. And so God's people were at being punished at the hands of the kingdom of darkness. I know, I know we talk about how, you know, man crucified God. We crucified God. We killed him and he gave us life. I know it talks about that, but what, but, I mean, think about this. How, if you're God, how can I save my people without killing my people, right? How can I save them without them being, being, being punished? Because see, it says in the garden that God, God ascribed the blame to, to the fall. He said to Satan clearly, because you have done this, cursed are you, because you have done this. So Satan, Satan rules over men's lives through through, through death, and he keeps them in the flesh through, through the power of death. And so when his wisdom, his logic is, is working in your heart, that is what calls men to crucify God. The wisdom of the serpent in the men's hearts is what calls them to crucify God. And so the way that God, God's remedy for this was that he would take 
that punishment into himself. And he, we witness on the cross, you know, he did not hide himself, but he, he, he showed him himself um, to creation to, to, to be their maker on the cross, dying our death, taking, taking it into himself. And so there's two kingdoms going on here. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And God has come in Christ. God has come in Christ to be our David, to take upon the kingdom of darkness, to expose the kingdom of darkness for what it was. He, what the kingdom of darkness ends up doing is it, 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 essentially you will crucify God. That's what, you, that's what you will do in the end. But God, knowing, knowing the cause, knowing the root of why men walk after darkness, was not willing to lead them in darkness. So he had to come under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness by putting, putting upon a perishable body. He had to come under that dominion, right? And, and, uh, and that's, what, that's what's happening in the Gospels. God comes under the dominion of the kingdom of, of the serpent in order that he may overcome it and expose it for what it really was. And in the resurrection, he destroys the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God is now set forth into the earth. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm kind of bouncing around here, but th this is what the scriptures are saying. This is what they're teaching. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans, you know, that if we be dead with him, you know, we're not, we're not dying for Christ. We're dying with Christ. Do you understand that? We're dying. We die with Christ. We, we take upon his death. We don't look to, to the things in the world in order to be justified, but, but we look to God. Like Greg was saying this morning, that God is our sufficiency. God is our source of life. So, and, and this is what God was teaching us on the cross, that, man, Jesus, the Son of God, was looking to the Father so that the Father could glorify, glorify his name and our name in the resurrection. So uh, think about this. God resurrected us and himself in the resurrection. God resurrected us as the image of God and himself as the God of the image. God sanctified his name and our name in his and our resurrection from the dead. He proved himself to be father. And what Greg preached about this last week, everlasting father. But I mean, oh, the depths of the wisdom of God, you know, how his ways are past finding out. Check this out. Go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. It's like a Bible study. Ezekiel 36, I think. Yeah. Ezekiel 36, starting around 23, uh, 22. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen. That's what those doctrines of demons like penalty substitution and things like that, that's what it does. It profanes the name of God among the heathen. And people, it keeps people from believing in God because that's not God, okay? <laughs> that's, 
the, the, the devil has painted God in the image of himself with doctrines like that. Well, look, I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord. Saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. <laughs> God sanctified his name in the body, in the man of Jesus Christ. You know, as a word about us, right? Jesus is our representative. He says, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Oh, we know that, that verse, right? We know what people use that for, right? <laughs> Look at the context. I will sprinkle clean water upon you. When my name is sanctified in your midst, it will cleanse you. He says, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. What is, the, what, is, what is the root cause of all filthiness? The lie. That's the root cause of all filthiness. That God is not your father, you know? That God, that God is the source of death in the world. That, that pollutes us. So, very, very simply, how can a man be pure? How can you be pure when death is removed from your life? <laughs> when death is removed from your life, right? And you start to see God in the face of Jesus, that, that, that is a pure mind. That is the righteous mind, right? You remove the death. You remove the death, and then you see God in the face of Jesus, and that cleanses your conscience. It's like, it gives you a pure mind as you walk in this world. And you know, you, you have eyes like Neo in the Matrix. You can just see things for what it is. But look, 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 keep going on this. <laughs> From all your idols will I cleanse you. Mm, the idols, the works of our hands, the things that we try to use to substitute God in our lives. Famous verse here, a new heart also will I give you. <laughs> I'm telling you what the new heart is. It's the image of God being sanctified. That's the new heart that he will give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. What is this spirit that he will put inside of us? Father. <laughs> Father, Father. He says, um, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will take away your corruption and your nakedness, and I will clothe you with the glory of my life. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. <laughs> this is the path of the spirit right here. You know, he, God cleanses, he cleanses us and puts the new spirit within us, and this spirit cries out, Father. That's what the scriptures say, Abba, Abba, right? We have not received the spirit uh, of the world, right? We've received the spirit of God whereby we cry out, Father, because we see that God came, and we witnessed on the cross 
we witnessed our maker on the cross dying our death. You know, he did not hide himself, but he came and took upon the wages of the kingdom of darkness. And in the resurrection, he overcame that kingdom, took the keys back to, to Hades and death. And he is now offering us his life as a free gift. And so, oh my goodness. Uh, I just thought to touch on this real quick, but um, I was seeing something on Instagram the other day. Well-meaningful guy talking about the resurrection, you know, saying some good things. But then he says, uh, the resurrection does not solve our problems about dying and death. I'm like, that's exactly what it does. It solves our problems about dying and death. It removes the shadow from your face. Well, I mean, what was the veil? His flesh. He ripped the death. He removed the veil. He removed the death from over our eyes. And then he says, he goes on to say, uh, the resurrection doesn't answer any of our curious questions about life after death, such as how will it be and how will it look? That is exactly. I, I did a, a message last year called On the Resurrection. And uh, it, it's beautiful how the Spirit puts these things together because this thing was bubbling in me, and then Greg's like, I'm preaching everlasting Father. I'm like, I got I to gotta be up next. And then I thought, man, maybe Maurice had something. I'll go after him. But then Maurice is like, no, you take it. So, but God was manifested in the flesh, in the resurrection. Our God is forever a man in a human body. You know what that does for the earth? It redeems and sanctifies the earth. I mean, where do you think he's going to live? <laughs> he's going to live here with us. And we know what the end result of how, uh, of, of what life after this looks like because we've seen it in the resurrection of God. We've seen, we've seen what the afterlife looks like. We've seen, oh, we're going to have bodies, right? We're going to have bodies. We're going to be glorified with the very glory of God. And so... Man, the earth has been redeemed. The earth has been redeemed. I know all things have not been redeemed yet, but the earth has been redeemed. You know, the earth has been redeemed, and God has forever settled that he will come back and live in this earth, and he will wipe away all the tears. He will cleanse us and wash us. And uh, we, have this, we have this first fruit now in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Okay, but uh, I think this is very interesting because he's talking about I'm going to sanctify my name. And when my name is sanctified, this will give you a new heart and a new spirit. When you can see God for who he is, you know, when you can see God in the face of Jesus, it will wash you of your idols. It will cleanse you. I know, I know these things may be a lot, man. I started thinking, I started saying some of this on Facebook a couple years ago. And I think people are just now starting to catch up with it. That's kind of what I meant when I say uh, I like to confuse people with the gospel. Because if God finds himself suffering at the hands of sin and death, then certainly he cannot be the source of sin and death. Right? He, he reveals to us. And when you can see that, yes, there's death in this world, but God has come. And he has removed that death. And he is... 
reconciling and redeeming all things and back to his life and to his kingdom and that the kingdom of God will be established in this earth. These things, man, this is the narrative. This is life, folks. This is reality. This is, this, these are the eyes that we use as we walk in this world. Because we've seen the end, we've seen the end from, we see the beginning from the end in the resurrection of God. We've seen what's going to happen. Um, so, uh, there's a, uh, there's an old, uh, I, th I think a, a few different early fathers, they had this saying, and it just really started to pop lately, but they said that God became man, that man might become God. <laughs> no. Th this is their atonement theory. You understand that, right? Because you know what an atonement theory is? It's trying to answer one question, why did God become a man? <laughs> That's all it is. Why did God become a man? And they go about trying to establish what they think that means. But God became man in order that man might become God, might become one with God. You know, I got some abstract stuff for you. Check this out. <laughs> mm, talking about the image of God. Listen to this. Jesus walking in submission to God and not walking in the way of the world or the way of the serpent is also how the Father would have walked if he came instead of the Son. <laughs> it's the way of the Spirit. You see what I mean? If the Father would have taken on a body of death, he would have submitted his life into the Son and the Spirit in the same way Jesus submitted his life to the Father and the Spirit. <laughs> it's just the way the spirit walks, you know? How can God, how can God reconcile the world without taking up the sword? <laughs> it shows you in the cross. <laughs> how can God reconcile the world without taking up the sword? He shows you in the cross. That's why the cross is the wisdom and the power of God. That's why we die with Jesus. We die, we take upon the cross. Earlier I said, they, talk, they said that they were followers of the way. This is the followers of the way. The way is the cross, right? That's, this is God. He comes in and, and uh, he shows us how to walk in the spirit. Um, I, I love how in, in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. <laughs> how is he perfected? Huh? The cross, you know, that be perfect. <laughs> when, when, when you say that God was punishing, was killing his son, that's not, that's, that's, that's perverting the image of God. Be perfect. Why? What does it say? What does the passage say in Matthew 5? It says, do not repay evil for evil. Right? If someone smites you on, on one cheek, give them the other. This is God. This is the spirit. This is how God is perfect because, man, God is love, man. He says, uh, I want to read this again to you. Jesus walking in submission to God and not walking in the way of the world is also how the father would have walked if he came instead of the son. It's the way the spirit walks. If the father would have taken on a body of death, 
he would have submitted his life to the Son and the Spirit in the same way Jesus looked to the Father and the Spirit. It's just the way the Spirit walks. Whether in the valley of the shadow of death or in the valley of the resurrection in the new earth, it's all the same. The Spirit looks to the Spirit for life, and the Lord is the Spirit. <laughs> Man. Man. The image of God sanctified in the earth. God will sanctify His name, and He has sanctified His name in the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, we all with unveiled face, as we behold God in the face of Jesus, are transformed into that same image to shine upon us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, so, some might say, uh, what's taking so long? Why hasn't, he, why hasn't he came back and glorified the earth? You know, God, God he, he is interested in those things and those things will happen. But what he's busy with is your heart, you know? That's what he's working on. He's working on our hearts. He's creating us in the image of God. That's what he's doing. And he's come and he showed us who God is in the cross and the resurrection. So that's what he's doing. He's concerned about your life. And your life is found in your heart. You know what I mean? Yes, we're going to have a new earth and we're going to have new bodies and these things are going to be these things are going to be awesome. But first must come the seed in your heart, you know, first must come the work of the heart, and then, and then the body will follow, you know, first, first the seed, um, yeah, and God is the seed, right, God is the seed who fell into the ground and died in order that there might be many like him, and he's conforming us into the image of God, that's what's going on. And he's using this gospel, this truth. He's using this word to transform the world. And it's, it's like the kingdom of God. It's, it's a little seed. And in, in the end, it grows into the biggest of all trees. And it's like the leaven that when it's put into the whole lump, eventually gets leavened. Um, amen, amen. I know. I think I said enough right there, but... um. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hit y'all with a few, few more things. Even on the cross, he did not hide himself from sight. Rather, he made all creation witness to the presence of its maker. <laughs> um, hold on, I got something. Check this out. Man, men sentenced God to death, but he sentenced them to immortality by his resurrection. In return for blows, he embraces them. In return for abuses, he blesses. In return for death, he gives immortality. Men never showed so much hate for God as when they crucified him, and God never showed more love for man than when he resurrected men. Even wanted, men even wanted to make God mortal. But God, by his resurrection, made man immortal. The crucified God is risen and has killed death. Death is no more. Immortality has encircled man and all his worlds. Mm. 
immortality has circled us, you know? Mm, these things are so beautiful, man. But this is God. This is, this is <laughs> God took upon the wages of sin into his, own, into his own body. It says in Romans that he died unto sin. He died unto sin. That's what he was doing on the cross. Sin would be the wisdom of the serpent and his belief system. Sin would be the way of the kingdom of darkness. He died unto that way. In his own body, God himself proved the way of the spirit, right? Taking upon a, a fleshly body, coming under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness in order to get inside of it. It says that he had to get up underneath it so that he could lift us all out of it. And then so he is raising us up into everlasting life. Um, it's the all, it's the not yet, it's the already but not yet. That's, that's what's happening. It's the already but not yet. It's already happened and it will, it will happen, you know, in his return. So this, this is what it means when it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the, with the, it says, for with the mouth, confession is made. It says, but with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. What, what's righteousness? For you to be perfected from death. A man that's been perfected from death, he's righteous. <laughs> he's pure. We've been, we've been perfected from death in the body of Jesus Christ. In, in his resurrection, he perfected us. Right? He's removed the fear of death. We now have a sound mind as we walk in this world. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power found in the resurrection of love and a sound mind. We have eyes to see things for what they are. We see death. We see corruption. We know that it's not from God. We know that God has done something right, in, in the resurrection to heal this death and in the, in the corruption. And this word, man, it saves our hearts from the fear of death that's in this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. I like I like the scripture in Habakkuk. It says, As the water, as the waters cover the sea, so shall so shall the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. The earth will be filled with the, the knowledge of the glory of God. It will happen. It will happen. But um, <clears throat> like I said, the goal of this message is to unify the image of God in our hearts and in the earth. And the way that is done is by seeing that God died your death away and that God redeemed us from the power of darkness and that God has now translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. We've been born again from death into light. Y'all like this language? This, this is what the scripture talks about. This is what it means to be born again, to receive a new heart, a new spirit. I know we want, we want to get into the details. How, how is it? Is it your spirit saved, your soul saved? Man, look, God, God has saved us. And this knowledge is the new spirit. Seeing God in the face of Jesus is the, is the new heart that sanctifies you from, fear, from the fear of death. It is the path. 
is the path. It is the way of life. Um. Mm. I was I was thinking about preaching on the resurrection. I was gonna. I was thinking about preaching a message on born again in the resurrection, born again by the resurrection, because that's what happened. And God raising Christ from the dead, he, 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 mankind was born anew in the resurrection, in the body of Jesus Christ, in the body of God. Mankind was born anew in the resurrection. And that spirit has been poured out into all flesh. That's, that's what the, that spirit is talking about. It says that, uh, the spirit couldn't be poured out because Jesus hadn't yet ascended. You know, Jesus hadn't yet ascended and seated down at the right hand of God as a man in, in, in the Godhead. And when that happened, then the spirit was poured out in the day of Pentecost. The spirit of what? The spirit that God, there's a man seated in the Trinity. His name is Jesus Christ. Great is the mystery of godliness. That spirit has been poured out. That, 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 that's a word, a declaration for who God is and who man is and where man was originally made to dwell. That is the spirit. That is the word that was pour, pour, um, poured out on all flesh on the day of Pentecost. And the way unto that life, that life is the way of the cross. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Knowing this, that our old man has died, that the body of sin might be done away. No, Romans 6. Romans 6 has all to meet. What shall we say then? Um, look, knowing this. Okay, verse 4, 6, 4. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It's all kingdom language he's talking about here. Um, for, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Um, we take upon... We, we take upon the cross, man, where, what, and what that means is that you don't justify yourself in this world. You don't glorify yourself in this world. But like Jesus, taken upon the cross, he looked to the Father, and the Father glorified him and justified him in the world. That's the way of the cross, okay? We look to the Father for life. That's, what, that's, that's the way of the cross, um, and we're walking in this way. And this way is beautiful, man. In Hebrew, Hebrews 1, 3, it said, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. He by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. Um, I love it in Hosea. It says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. And that's what he did. He ransomed us from the power of the grave. Hallelujah. But uh, I think that's it, man. I think I said enough. But the goal, the goal of this message is to unify the image of God in your heart. When you can see that God 
Jesus is God. God wasn't killing his son. God was taking upon himself the death of, of the world. He was taking upon himself the wages of sin and death, the way of the kingdom of darkness, that he might himself taste death for every man. This is what the scriptures talk about in Hebrews. He tasted death for every man so that we will never have to taste death. This is the path of life. This is the way of the spirit. And uh, if nothing happens, man, go and talk to God about these things. Go and meditate on the fact that, man, God is trustworthy. God has proven himself to be your father in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In the resurrection of God, God resurrects both himself and us. And he sanctifies and glorifies our name with his name. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. So I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate uh, being able to talk about these things, man. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Am I on? Thank you, Jesus. There's a whole lot of mouthfuls in that. I mean, how do you cleanse somebody from death? Right? And how do you cleanse them from what they think about you because of death? You come and get inside of their death. And then you stand up out of their death. And then in that same moment, you sanctify them and yourself. Because you're no longer the author, seen as the author of their death. You're seen as the author of their life, right? And that's how he sanctifies his name in our midst. We, like Jared said, I mean, he, he said so many things. In two weeks, I'm going to unwrap some of what he said because I think that there's so much there to unwrap that just ministered to me. Um, but, yeah, it's like what Jesus said in the Gospel of John when he said that it's the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. But when I am come... I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, he says that in the, the Gospel of John. And the whole Gospel of John is about if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so what is Jesus saying there? I know you've read Moses with the veil over your heart. And you thought that it's God that's serving sinners with death. But I'm here to show you that it's not God serving sinners with death. And I love what Jared pointed out about one of I, honestly, the most powerful way he proves that he's not the author of death is that he comes into the world and then suffers at the hands of the same death we were suffering at. He wasn't having a good time on the cross. You guys think I'm the one serving you with death? Well, here I am, and watch. I'm going to suffer at the hands of the same death with you. So immediately we're like, wait a second. He's being stolen from. He's being crucified also. He can't be the one that's brought the death. And then we see him stand up out of the grave, having overcome death. And real quick, we start to see that when God comes, what he has in his hand to give is eternal life, a life that abounds over death. That sanctifies him in our eyes, right? And it sanctifies us from the death because he conquered the death that was in our flesh when he stood up out of the grave. Man, there's so much to what he just said. I encourage everybody to go and listen to it and write down questions or thoughts, right? Don't, don't listen to today and think, I must have understood it all in order to grasp it. One of the things that's powerful about today is it will prick thoughts in you, questions, thoughts. You want those to come up, write them down, bring them back with you to a Bible study, right? And, we'll and what will happen is the Spirit will keep unpacking the truth that was spoken today, and it's powerful. Um, Shelly, you, you wanted to say something? Anything? 
Here, no, I say it into this. It's not about preaching a great sermon, you know. So many preachers, they want, oh, I got a great sermon for y'all. Man, it's about understanding, you know. It's, it's time for the body of Christ to start being conformed to the image of the Savior. Um, during worship, God some during worship, God has a tendency to give me visions, and he shows me pictures, and, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens enough. And every now and then, it, when it happens, I get this this pounding in my chest. It's like I need to say something. And I kept seeing these pictures during worship today, um, and I kept and I said, "You have to give me words. You have to give me words. Speak the word." And so this is what he was saying. He said, and I don't know what this means. He said, "Pasha konata, pasha konata," and he kept resonating that in my spirit, "Pasha konata," until it started coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Um, I'm not a translator. If someone in the spirit can translate that word, I would love to hear from you through Facebook. Um, you can reach me. But that's the word he kept saying. The picture he gave me was a picture of a cross, an empty cross on a hill. And when I was saying Pasha Konata, he had me, he s I could see myself embracing this cross, like literally, like I ran up to it and I jumped on it and I'm, I'm embracing it like this. And this is what he said. And he kept saying the word land. And I thought it was interesting that Jared said the word, used the word land. When he said land, it perked up. And this is what I wrote down. He said, there is a land. I have given this land to you. It is the tree of life. Cleave to it. There is no tree of death in this land. You have been set free from death. The bondage is over. Cleave to this life. It is an eternal life. The tree by which I hung, the tree by which I hung was the tree that leads to this life. Cling to it, enter into my rest, enter into your rest. And I, I've been pondering the whole eternal life thing for, for weeks now, weeks on end. And all I keep hearing him say is, uh, there's, there's a lot that's going on, but the most important thing I keep hearing is, it is done. It is finished. There is nothing left to do but to enter into my rest. And the only way you can do that is by cleaving onto the cross. That's how you enter. That's the word he gave me. I hope that is what that is. Pasha <laughs> kunata. I don't know. I All right. Well, there you go. Glory to God. Thank you guys so much. Um, listen, I don't. I haven't said this in a long time, but if anybody else gets something during praise and worship, or um, during the message, man, we we want it to be shared. So, if it's before I start preaching, man, you can come up here with the mic and share if you got something. If you if you heard something from the Lord, if something ministered to you, and you just want to share it, do that after praise and worship. We'll cut Greg off, and Greg will sit there and wait, and you guys can share. But just let one of us know. And um, that's what we'll do. Glory to God. You guys have a great day. Thanks for joining us online. We love you guys.